Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors Podcast, sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast today. And today we're talking about a really fun little topic. You'll love it, I think. Uh, or maybe not, depending on if you're a pastor who's just committed adultery, you, then you probably won't love it. All right, so well, that's <laughs> that's the teaser clip right there. Holy cow! <laughs> We're going to talk today about pastoral restoration uh, because you see all kinds of these stories nowadays, which are sad. I like these are a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. This is. Uh, it, it's a news flash for a lot of people, but for the people involved, like these are very real hurtful situations, including the people who've committed the sin, right? This is mm-hmm. just a bad deal. Um, but you see this happen all the time. Pastor, leader, elder, whatever of a church, even like professor, like seminary professors and things like that. This happens all the time. Christian comedians. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, happens to them. The best of us is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's all um, I'm saying. Yeah. And so then the question is always there. Uh, is that person disqualified from all ministry for all time because of this? Or is that something that can be earned back or a certain amount of time? What are the bullet points, Michael? Well, I think the, the thing we need to address right off the bat, and I think this is why it's a discussion that a lot of people have, is because there's no clear scriptural distinction of restoration pastoral wise like we have as we've talked about on this podcast before there are obvious uh pastoral uh um qualifications that have to be met for one to be in a pastoral position now obviously we covered the fact that you know this the things we're going to look at aren't necessarily just pastoral things they're christian ministry things such as anything that's under the christian label so that could be uh, somebody that travels around, does comedy and under the Christian label or somebody that travel lounge and does, uh, you know, uh, any other type of ministry really for, for the church that would be labeled a Christian. Um, so what it comes down to is there's no real distinctive restoration. I mean, it's not like Timothy did, you know, he was mean to some people. So they told him he couldn't be pastor at Ephesus anymore. And I mean, now we, we have a letter from Paul telling the, you know, the process is we just have, qualifications to be elders. So I think that's the foggy thing for a lot of people because uh, yeah. there is no distinctive like timeline. There is no distinctive how long you have to be away. But I think the reason that a lot of people question it when people come back after a fall of whatever kind, right? So you mentioned adultery, but in some of these cases we're going to talk about, it was a, a money issue or an attitude issue. Yeah. Um, so it's a matter of I think the reason a lot of people have questions about this is because sometimes it doesn't seem like there's been that much time passed before some of these, before some people come back. And this isn't just large, well-known individuals. I mean, there's, there's like little church people. I'm talking about a thousand under that the pastors happen. You just never hear about them. And then they come back really shortly after too. So I think that's the cloudy part. Um, that nobody has a real good firm number on. Is it six months, eight months, a year, two years, five years, a decade? What's that look like? Uh, Because regardless, when it involves any type of sin, there's lots of people that are hurt and there's lots of things that are wrecked. And um, 
sometimes those things can't be rectified even with some sort of rest restoration between people. So um, that's the, that's the one big bullet point I think we'll be talking about today is that, you know, um, how can we as a church navigate this well, even though I don't think we'll ever all settle on a definite answer on it. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. And like we, um, there is, there's a lot in scripture that does speak to this kind of thing, right? But it speaks to it inadvertently or in a roundabout way. Like even the Matthew 18 sort of church discipline scriptures uh, speak into this issue because essentially that's what it is. It's yeah. a fellow brother or sister in Christ, depending on the uh, office or whatever's going on there. Uh, it, it could be a fellow uh, brother, sister in Christ who has failed in some way, has sinned, and now, so, okay, follow Matthew 18. It does get a little more complicated than that, in the sense that um, certainly uh, this person, uh, presumably we're talking specifically about pastors, so this pastor was uh, charged and and called to minister, like, we're held to a higher standard, essentially. Mm -hmm right? Like we're supposed to be the example. Now I would argue that, uh, in first Timothy, uh, Titus, when these kind of things are laid out, these qualifications for elders, uh, are laid out. It's, it's really simply just describing what every godly man should aspire to. Like the one thing that, um, that an elder or pastor, uh, two things, frankly, uh, that the elder or pastor in those qualifications should have that not every Christian man will necessarily have are the aspiration to become an elder or pastor Mm -hmm. and two, uh, teaching ability. Everything else is just you being a Christian, Like, so, um, but the, there isn't any cookie cutter kind of path for this. And Mm -hmm. it, sometimes I think in our day and age, it's more difficult because uh, I know Mark Driscoll is a name that we mentioned mm-hmm. uh, and when we were talking about doing this episode. And um, for a Mark Driscoll, I mean, who had how many likes and video views and everything else, like all over the world, right? Uh, this wasn't just some local podunk 25 person Baptist church. This was a guy who was internationally known and all kinds of people, all ages, all gender, all, all two genders, um, of people. Uh, yeah. DM Michael on that one. All, all like all people from all over the place looked at this guy. So it, it changes things because there's now a perception from all kinds of people who had no clue, weren't actually there, weren't a part of it, but they've judged, you know, the situation. Um, it's just, it's really complicated. It's a messy thing. Yeah. Well, and I think we, we have to, two things, because I was talking, um, well, inadvertently, actually, we got to this subject in a conversation I was having with somebody else, but what it comes down to, I think, is a couple things. One, uh, how the church reacts uh, I, mean, I just want to set this as a precedent as we go into the episode here, but as the church reacts, how the church reacts rather to this happening says a lot about the church, right? So mm, there's certain, yeah. um, there's certain times that this happens and the church just completely says, Hey, we're done with you. Leave. We don't want anything more to do with you. 
And uh, that just doesn't happen just with pastors. That happens with just Christians in the church that, that sin and that sin comes to light. I think the way we react should be better. Um, for example, I mean, like you said, it's outlined about how what we should do church discipline wise, how that should look, and we should follow that. Uh, but also, I think that when we're talking about restoration, uh, there are certain things, even though they're not outlined, I think that we need to cover uh, when, we, when we do have someone go through that process as far as Christians, right? So even if it is a podunk church of 25 out of the middle of nowhere, uh, the community probably knows about that happening. Um, just like, for example, when you're talking with Driscoll, uh, the world <laughs> knew about that. So there's yeah. certain things that need to happen regardless of the case in which, you know, that pastor doesn't just simply, I think it's a much por- more powerful message, let's say, for the gospel, other than just that pastor moving somewhere else and starting a new thing. It's yeah. a much more powerful message for the gospel if there's actually a true restoration process that happens, right? Maybe not even, I'm not saying that, for example, there should have been, Driscoll should have went through a process specifically at Mars Hill and then was restored to Mars Hill. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a process that does heal that whatever wound was there uh, for the name and renown of Jesus because we as Christians act differently. So now it's just not, you know, somebody leaving, not going through any process and then just going somewhere else to start a new thing. Because not only does that happen with pastors that are well-known, that happens with Joe Smo punk podunk 25 person church too he'll just leave and go to a different community nobody's going to know the difference especially if he moves state to state and if he's not within his denomination even if he is some people won't know that so i think it's a much more powerful message of the gospel if one we react the way we should as scripture says and also do an actual restoration process so for example not I hesitate naming a bunch of names, but I think it's almost a have to in order for us to actually to, to recognize how we do the opposite of this all the time. Okay. So these may be not names that you as a listener may know, but these are names that I don't know, eight, 10 years ago were really big names for me. Right. So we talked about Driscoll. Driscoll went through, uh, uh, he moved, went to Arizona, started a new church. We had, uh, and I'm going to say this name wrong, but uh, Tatol, <laughs> it's Billy Graham's grandson. You can look him up, but it's a, it's a name that I can't pronounce. Tatol, Tatrolian. I, I got it totally wrong. The point is he had an affair. He got fired from his church. He just left and started another church with his new wife. Um, the uh, same thing, uh, uh, Perry Noble, not Perry Noble. Um, is it Perry Noble? Yep. He, he got fired from his church. I believe it was for drinking. And uh, him and his wife eventually got divorced and he started another church somewhere else. Um, we have the same thing. There was one more that I had in mind that I can't remember now. Um, but the, the point is, as far as examples go, what always seems to happen. Oh, James McDonald last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Har- Harvest Bible Church uh, for uh, inappropriate comments and alleged money issues that he was doing. And... Um, what did he do? Well, he didn't go through a process. He just started a new thing with his wife. It's like a, a home church network essentially is what it is. The point is that in all of these instances, again, like you said, Rob, at the beginning, I wasn't there. I don't know the situation. I'm just taking outside facts. But what I can see is that there doesn't seem to be a restoration process. And it's really sad to me that I don't, I can't think of one process restoration wise that seemed 
to happen. And I could be wrong. If you guys know of any, please tell me. Because uh, I'm, again, I'm not abreast to everything that occurs. Um, but I think we're lacking in great examples of pastoral restoration to the point that I'm talking about, to the extreme that I'm talking about, to where the church and that person say, okay, we, this definitely went south real quick. But now for the glory of the gospel, we are, we are healed and we're moving forward. Yeah, I think some of, um, this is why I, I, I think every situation is different, um, is because, so, uh, first of all, most of the time this kind of stuff doesn't happen unless it's, um, like Perry Noble, for instance, right? Uh, like that's not something that happened, uh, because he was caught, uh, finishing off the communion wine right? Like that's something that happened over the course of time. He had an alcoholism issue, right? That wasn't being dealt with um, in a solid way. And so that happened. Um, He was asked to step away. And so honestly, like any believer, when something like that happens, if uh, Perry Noble's heart understood what happened, uh, all the stuff, right? Like if he, he felt conviction, he actually uh, repented of that thing. That's stuff that you can see happen. Um, and, and as public as a lot of it, like, look, if, if something like this were to happen to me, it's not going to be the same effect that like a Driscoll or a Perry Noble has. Yeah. Nobody knows me, right? Like yeah. nobody is going to care unless you're here. Um, but but for, for people like that, like there are still, you even alluded to this about uh, Mark Driscoll, some people like there are still people who are like, Driscoll, what? You know, um, but like for the people involved, um, there, there has to be some sort of process. And uh, what I think what you're talking about is that there really isn't a very uh, a process that we can see regularly that is uh so failure in some way happens Mm -hmm. this person is asked to step down as elder or pastor um and then stays in that church as just a person Mm -hmm. and it is works through counseling or whatever that looks like and and slowly rises back up to a point where Look, even if you're not an elder or a pastor, you are a member that is now qualified by the definition, mm-hmm. and we trust in your qualifications at this point. One, in the case of a lot of these guys, look, Perry Noble just went and started another church, right? Like, there's no time there. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's no, like, that's one of those things that to me says repentance or not, <laughs> right? If, if I, honestly see my sin i'm not gonna necessarily go dive in and start pastoring another church right away i'm gonna need to even mourn myself a little bit and take time and take you know understand that the people that you've just sinned against and in front of uh like they need time to heal from it like this these are things that actually cause lots of hurt driscoll on the other hand yeah, he started another church, um, but it, it was a while later, right? Uh, and his his sin, uh, the stuff that he that was going on there, 
there was some, uh, I, I wasn't there, I don't know all the details, but there was some kind of abusive power kind of stuff, like he was uh, too harsh as a leader um, and controlling and those types of things, um, among other stuff, whatever. But uh, that's the kind of thing that it, it's not most of the time that is not something that is going to be as damaging and take as much time for people to heal from as say Mark Driscoll having an affair with the secretary uh, that lasted two years and just found out, right? Like those are things that cause deep, deep, deep trust issues. And like, that's going to take years and years, maybe never right? To fully heal from something like that uh, for those involved. So there are differences and degrees of this kind of thing that, that I think, I think there's good reason that there's not a cookie cutter kind of mm -hmm. thing yeah. for this. Um, but that's the same for all believers <laughs> yeah. and their sin and, and us holding one another accountable as believers. So um, yeah, I, I think some guys have done it a little better than others. Uh, and some guys, you can tell, it just seems like there might have not even been repentance. Well, and I, <laughs> because of how uh, they on, about it. on the difference between, you know, pastors and, you know, so leaders, elders, and congregants, lay people, I think the, the one difference that I see that's unfortunate is that uh, when somebody within the congregation or the body sins, it's often um, handled better in the sense that they're not encouraged to, you know, put themselves back in that position. So for example, if somebody was an alcoholic in your congregation and that was found out, then there are people that will normally, you know, not everyone, but normally will come around them and help them, you know, Hey, you know, they'll, they'll set up some sort of accountability system that, Hey, don't go to the bar. Hey, I'm going to be there for you doing this or that, making sure you're not around that alcohol. I mean, there's, there's things like that. Whereas it seems and again, this is just speculation, but I think it's played out pretty well in just what we actually do see publicly. There seems mm -hmm. to be people around some of these pastors that um, are like, no, you're, you're, you know, this was, you know, it was a sin. Yes, but you're such a great communicator and people get so much out of what you say. So you need to be back up there where there really should. And I think, I think honestly, when we look at um, as far as just scripture speaks, as you were talking about just everyday Christians, we're supposed to live in such a way that it's above reproach, Right. So there is, um, there's a really, uh, he's not famous, he's Facebook famous, but there's a pastor that has, posts a lot of videos on Facebook uh, called, I think his name is Greg Locke. I'm not totally sure on that, but I'm almost positive. He lives in Tennessee. He's very po uh, popular for putting out like controversial political things, right? Uh, in regard to the church and the government. And his wife and him got a divorce, but there was some speculation there that he was actually having an affair on her with the church secretary because him and the church secretary got married really shortly after, mm. you know, this divorce happened. So there was, anyway, there was a whole, uh, some articles on it. My point is this, that, I mean, he came out and defended himself and his relationship with this, this lady that was the church secretary and the whole thing that happened. But here's my point. As the church, we are, uh, we're, we're, we're imaging uh, the family of God out into the world, right? So I think the reason that, for example, Paul, every church he writes to, he is so careful in telling them, hey, what you're doing is not making Jesus look good. So stop being a bunch of idiots because it's not making Jesus look good. So I think we have to have that lens on everything we do, right? So if it's a matter of in that situation with the pastor where it's like, hey, it's a little gray area there that maybe, you know, 
there's this perception within the church that maybe you were doing this. So outside of the church, it's probably even more of a perception. And they're far more likely to believe it because they do those things anyway, right? So they're like, yeah, of course you did. So would it not be intelligent for the glory of the gospel to say, hey, for a little bit, hey, I, 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 so let's say it's on the up and up, right? We're not using Greg Locks specifically, but let's, as a general example, would it not be better for me as a pastor to say, hey, I, I, I like you. I, I definitely want to spend you know, the rest of my life with you. But this whole situation that just happened is going to be under a cloud of scrutiny for a little bit. It's going to put a little bit of a taintedness on the name of God and what we're doing in this church. So how about for a, a year, maybe for the glory of the gospel, we just say, we're not going to, we're not going to do this. Okay. And you put that flesh on the background for a minute. Now, again, there's no scripture that says that. There's no timeline that's set across, but for the glory of the gospel in those certain situations, wouldn't it be better for Christians in general, but pastors specifically in this context to say, you know something, people do get a lot out of what I say. There are a lot of people that want me to, you know, start another church. There are lots of things that, you know, I could do ministry wise, but because of the things that are over me right now, it'd be better for me to back off for a minute. So there's lots of people that have got a lot out of James McDonald, apparently. I don't know a whole lot about him, but apparently there's a lot of people that liked him. But he was accused of saying some pretty vulgar things. So would it not be a little smart for him? Now, again, none of these pastors, I guarantee you want to get a nine-to-five job down at the Walmart or the Lowe's. That's not their dream because they've had this huge thing with all the attention forever. But would it not be better for a minute for them to say, I'm going to step, I'm just going to step back. And if this is what God really wants me to do, if this is God's actual calling for me, then it's not going to matter if I step out for a minute to repair and to resolve. And to instead, it's a matter of, in, in this case, James McDonald uh, specifically is suing the guy that leaked the, the tape of him saying the vulgar things. Now, again, he, the guy obtained it illegally. He broadcast it to everyone without his permission. So I get that it's, you know, it was obtained under shady means. I get that. But he said it. I mean, he, he, it was a legit thing he said. So did the guy that broadcast it do some shady stuff? Of course he did. But what do you expect a DJ in the world to do? He doesn't care. He sees somebody doing something that's hypocritical to what he sees as Christianity. And he does something like, I mean, it's illegal. Yes. But I mean, what's his thought process? But is the proper thing to do to sue the guy? I mean, no. he, did <laughs> he, he took away your job, but it probably should have been taken away because of how you were acting. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. It just seems to me that a lot of these pastors should have maybe stepped away for a minute and said, yes, a lot of people like me. A lot of people get a, uh, get a lot of what I say. But for the glory of the gospel, and for the renown of Jesus's name, not being tainted by what I've done. Maybe I just need to stop for a second. That goes for not just them. This goes for any Christian ministry at all, but yeah. Okay. Two things. Um, I ranted there for a long time. No, no, it's fine. The the first one is going to be kind of short. One of the things that I thought of when you were talking about that is, is Driscoll specifically uh, because there are probably a lot of people who don't even know that he started another church, that he's a That's, part of yeah. another church plant. And that is part of the point, right? That, that I would make because, uh, the fame 
sort of the the what he used to be like people who uh hated jesus knew who mark driscoll was right like back in the day um but now even though he he still has uh the same great sort of church building design stuff like he has great art behind him when he's preaching he has great exegetical sort of he's a good preacher and bible teacher um he has a church that probably has more than 40 people in it right it's it's a big church already but he's not trying to get all famous and stuff like he's not out in the news like getting famous on twitter and all the you know he's not outreaching for that attention and i think that's an important um like that's something that we could look to and say there's been maturity and growth there mm-hmm. right in in him uh because that's something you don't see in some of these other examples um but two and to your point i think uh sometimes we place uh we the church and then it leaks into the the pastorate too sometimes we place skill and gifting over top of character mm-hmm. like that matters more right and that's that's that plays out in like some of these guys who you know uh, have a lot of skill and gifting and are ex- excellent communicators but then something happens, right? That's legitimately a sin and wrong and they should, something big enough, they should step away. Listen, every pastor's a sinner, right? Like mm-hmm. I've probably already sinned a hundred times today in some way, shape or form, right? But, but something major enough or public enough or big enough that a pastor needs to step away from that role, um, that, that is bigger than skill. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's a reason if you look in the uh, pastoral epistles, the Timothy's and Titus, and you see these qualifications, uh, there's only one that is a skill. There's only one able to teach. Right. Everything else, everything else involves Christ likeness. Right. Mm-hmm. And character and imaging God correctly. When, um, when I was being looked at to, as the pastor of this church, um, one of the things that I came up with and put on paper for everyone to see was kind of my ministry philosophy. Like how, what do I feel like my main job is as a pastor? And the one was of course things like preaching or whatever. Um, but two, and the honestly more major one, is exampling the stuff that I'm preaching about, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not an example of these things or an example of repentance when I'm not a good example of these things, then what am I really doing other than being a hypocrite, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Like there there are sexually uh, maritally faithful, a good manager of your home, Humble, gentle, sober, peaceful, financially responsible, hospitable, self-controlled, upright in character, committed to holiness, spiritually mature, uh, respectable, a good example to the flock. These are all things that we're called to do as pastors. The one other one, the one, as opposed to all of those, is able to teach. Like that's such a small part in comparison to who we're supposed to be, who we're called to be. And so when the world around us places that skill able to teach 
uh, on a pedestal and these other ones below, well, then obviously you get rushed into that or whatever. Um, yeah. But character isn't a value <laughs> in the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. So, so we've talked about obviously that there are, there are way too many examples of this happening. There's um, not great examples of a process being gone through. And I think we both agree that there is no cookie cutter way that that necessarily has to happen. But uh, let's talk for a minute to kind of end this out. What would it look like? Because you've already said, and I totally agree, that there are going to be variations on what restoration looks like based upon what the sin was. Not that sin carries different weight necessarily, in as much as obviously some sins are a lot more damaging, a lot more um, widespread in who it affects. But uh, let's just chat for a minute about maybe what a general idea of of restoration um, would kind of look like in the lives of now let's talk about in members specifically, because as you've noted a couple of times, really pastors are just members of the body that have an ability, you know, the ability to teach. So really this touches everyone. So what does it look like? Cause I don't think we necessarily have a different restoration process for celebrity Christians versus regular, you know, everyday people. So that should be the same. So what do you think that kind of um, that would look like in a nutshell? Uh, for a local church. Yeah. So actually I, I do know of a good example of this happening. Yeah. It's just not some famous person. Mm -hmm. Um, So when uh, every year our uh, I'm part of a North American Baptist conference, whatever it's a, it's just like part of a conference that our church is, is uh, uh, in involved in. Well, every year we have kind of this, annual business meeting sort of thing um, that we go to. And uh, there's it's usually kind of a weekend, a Friday, Saturday thing, and there's a speaker. Um, we weren't able to have it this year because of COVID-19, but the prior year, 2019, when I went to Bismarck for that, there was a speaker there. And frankly, I don't even remember his name, but he's part of, he's part of the nine marks uh, okay. teaching kind of mm-hmm. crew, right? Like, so, um, uh, so anyway, this guy was, uh, an excellent teacher, preacher kind of guy. Um, and he told us at that event, he told us a story that was really fresh for him, like a few weeks ago, fresh, uh, one of the elders at his church, which elder pastor, same thing. Yeah. One might be paid and one might be unpaid, same responsibility, right? One of the elders at their church had just become super convicted uh, and come forward to the other elders and admitted, Hey, I have like a straight up addiction to pornography. I don't, I, and I just need to confess, right? Like, and uh, I'll do whatever's necessary, right? Like that was the attitude, right? He really was repentant and hurt and saddened by his sin. And you could tell by his demeanor. and so obviously there was, uh, he's an elder. This is a public figure. He, he needed to, and I believe this was right. He needed to go before the whole church, the congregation, at, at least the membership of the mm-hmm. church. Um, and uh, so he, he did that. He stood right in front of his own family who was there and everybody else and, uh, and broke down, you know, and was visibly hurting 
and struggling, not only because he had to say this, but because of what he had to say. Um, long story short, he went before the church. He said this because he had betrayed them, right, mm-hmm. and with this sin as well. And so uh, uh, he ended up, picture, a couple weeks later, he's not an elder, right? He stepped down from that um, willingly, which is another yeah. bullet point Different, we need to yeah. stamp, right? Uh, willingly, at their mercy, he steps down from that, steps away. And their church is a pretty large church. Um, their church had a uh, kind of a, a group for guys like this, right? Uh, that struggle with pornography. It was, uh, and he wasn't trying to lead it, wasn't trying to do anything. He just very quickly became another one of the members who sat in that group and was being ministered to and held accountable and began to be, you know, and so that was only three weeks into it. I don't know how the story ends, but that to me was a picture of boom. Like he didn't switch churches. He didn't leave. So he continue in his sin. He didn't step away and look all uh, nice and, and respectable. And then, and then leave to another church, like to stay in that church and begin to be reformed uh, by the gospel and, and sort of, dude, I mean, yeah. powerful. That says, again, I mean, that goes back to exactly. It shows, the, it shows how the body works effectively. It shows how the, the gospel is so much more powerfully presented that way because it's not a matter of, um, it's not a matter of uh, the church telling him he had to do it or forcing him out of it. Um, I mean, how, how great that just shows the power of the gospel and at so many different levels that he was convicted to come forward about it, that he would, he believed that the gospel was enough uh, that he was able to stand in front of the congregation and that the congregation, uh, probably not everyone, but for a majority of the people were like, okay, I mean, that's awesome that you're dealing with it. You're because I think what puts uh, such a negative taste in a lot of people's mouths is when it's like that you find out about it and then the dude's not there anymore. Like, yeah. Well, and, and two, like there's, there's this major issue of the, uh, like, so this is a two way street, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the person who does this thing, whatever the thing is like in, in this specific case, the guy was addicted to pornography um, in his situation. Yeah, of course he's responsible right? And he needs to go before the church and he needs to take these steps and be humbled mm-hmm. by it. Um, but the church also has a responsibility not to, they, they're allowed to be hurt, right? Like that's, oh, it's expected yeah. even because that's a, that's a huge betrayal. This is someone who very likely has the capability to counsel someone and probably had at some level counsel someone with similar issues like he didn't have them. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, like, this is a deep betrayal, so you can be hurt, but so often after something like this, you see the No matter what he's like, if, if the guy's like this guy was and humbled and honestly seeking to make it right, whatever I got to do, I'll do I'm so sorry for, you know, repentance, like genuine repentance. And then you see a congregation who's like, you know what? Screw you, buddy. Like, <laughs> just get out, get out of here. At all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a two way street. Like you, the person, the pastor in our conversation, this, the pastor or elder 
has to accept responsibility for their sin and repent mm-hmm. and, and be willing to just be humble and be at the mercy of the leadership of the church. But at the very same time, the church body now, like that's what member is, right? Like that's what being a part of the family of God is. Like your family's screwed up. That's the whole thing. So like you have to be open to working this thing out and being a family because you can't all of a sudden not be a family. Like that's not a thing. So that's yeah. a pet peeve of mine, but <laughs> I can, t- I can tell by the face, your face. Um, so yeah, to wrap this up, I think that's a perfect example. And I think that um, honestly, there's probably a lot more of those examples than we're aware of just because yeah, think, of the yeah. news that the bad examples get. Um, and the press that unfortunately, uh, not the, the, the fact that a lot of these examples that I mentioned before, uh, went in a way that they shouldn't have went on everybody's part almost. But, uh, I think what we should push forward is to be the church that nobody hears about <laughs> in, in the sense that we are the ones that, uh, that understand that the gospel not only affects that person, it affects me. And I show them the love of Jesus, just like I've been shown and would expect to be shown the love of Jesus, uh, in light of my sin as well. So no, that's a perfect example. So, um, I don't have anything else to end with. Do you, sir? No, I think that story was excellent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't think about this, that story until we were right in the middle of, but that, that Mm -hmm. is, that's the, the the one single instance that I know of in my personal that I've that I've heard that's what it's supposed to look like, you know, mm-hmm. myself out before the congregation and the congregation honestly going, you know what, this sucks and you hurt us, but we love you. You're a brother. Let's figure this thing out. That's the gospel. Yeah. Shoot. All right. I don't have anything else to say about it. I think that pretty much uh, that puts a, a, a pin in it, a pin in it, we'll put a pin in it. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for listening, watching, commenting. Appreciate all that stuff. We will talk to you later. Later.